Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. The last time we talked about the danger of seeking after signs. And the biggest sign that God has already given to us is what? The resurrection. Jesus, the cross and the resurrection. Uh, Jesus said this is the sign that he's given to us. So we need to look to the cross, the empty tomb, to Jesus and what he has done. And we're going to have communion later on, and uh, you want to be thinking about that, preparing your heart uh, for that. We also saw the necessity that if we empty the house, we need to fill the house with good things. Sometimes we clean out all the garbage and the junk, and we neglect it to fill it with the good stuff, and so the junk comes back. You know, if you don't put something there in its place, the junk somehow, I don't know where it comes from, you know, if you've got this place, you, you clean out your garage, right, and, and it's just looking nice. But somehow, where does that junk come back? It comes back. I don't know how. So you need to put the good stuff in there. We need to be filled with God. We need to be filled with His Spirit. We need to f- be filled up with the good that God has for us. Uh, so today we're looking at the parable of the sower. Check it out. It's up there, just so you know it. Somebody told me I needed to try this. You let me know if it's a distraction, okay? See, I already distracted you with it. (laughs) The parable of the sower, though, is is probably the most familiar parable, right? People have heard about it. They maybe don't know all the different facets of it, but they know they've heard about it. Some suggested that it really should be called the parable of the soils because it's really more about the soils than it is about the sower, or about the seed. Um, do any of you like to garden? Any of you? A few of you? You like to garden? You like to put stuff in the ground and, and, and hopefully it comes up and hopefully the animals don't come and, 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 and eat it all up? Well, what the soil is like, and you know this if you do uh, gardening or farming, the, the, what the soil is like makes a huge difference, doesn't it? What kind of dirt you got in your yard? makes a big, big difference. Out here on the, the, the lawn, and, and Jim reminded me this morning that um, two years ago today we got news that our offer had been accepted and that the place was going to be ours, two years ago today. So that's kind of exciting. We're still, we're still marching along this process, right? We've got a lot to learn, a lot to do, a lot to um, uh, work on, but, but uh, I was thinking about it this morning. You know, those things, they'll, they'll get done. They get taken care of. What's most important is that we keep to our mission, which is studying God's Word, worshiping together, sharing the gospel with people around us. That's why we have this Festival of Hope coming up. Uh, uh, Acts 2.42, you know, the, the, the different things that we're called to be committed to here in our fellowship and in the church as, as a whole. But out here on this lawn, I know we've got some good areas, and we've got some that the soil isn't so good. We're going to have to someday get rid of some of There's too much sand there. There's too much rock there. We're going to have to get rid of some of that stuff and kind of bring in some better soil. The good seed is important, too, the kind of seed that we spread. And we spread a whole bunch of good seed out there, but if the soil isn't that good, it's not going to grow that well, is it? It's not going to make it. It's not going to survive. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house 
And he sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Jesus teaching from a boat, and he was sitting down. That was the usual position for Jewish teachers of that time, to sit and teach. And it says that he told them many things in parable, and in parables, and a parable is simply this. It's a real-life story, an earthly story that has a meaning to it, either a, a spiritual meaning or a moral meaning. Jesus would tell these stories, and he was very good at it. He told lots of stories. He didn't always teach in stories, but that was one of the ways that he taught. And there, in Jesus' teaching, in fact, in the, in, the, in the first three Gospels, there are about 30 parables or so. In the Gospel of John, there aren't any parables, so, but he did much teaching in the Gospel of John, obviously. So it's not the only way. We don't just tell stories. I love stories. Everybody likes stories, right? You all like to hear a good story. It's not the only way to teach, though. God, you know, has a variety of... of, of and we all kind of think differently. Some people think, you know, you know that, that's what they can see, the pictures of the stories, and other people, it's more, you know, the... the uh, the line upon line and precept upon precept kind of thing. Chapter 13, this chapter we're looking at, has seven parables in it. And they call them the parables of the kingdom. The parables of the kingdom. We'll get to that uh, idea in just a few minutes. So, so a farmer went out to sow his seed, and that's what they would do. They would go out. They didn't have all the equipment, obviously, that we have today, right? They'd go out. They'd have a pouch or a bag or or whatever, and they'd grab the seed and they would scatter it, most often by hand, right? They'd scatter the seed, and, and uh, they didn't have the little, you know, things that you push and, you know, spreads the seed like that. But the, the effect was pretty much the same, though. You'd scatter the seed, and it would go to all different ways and all different places. Let's look at verse 4. It says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear." All these different places that the seed would go, and, and, and they were just different things that, you know, different types of ground, different types of soil, different uh, things that were out and, and that are common everywhere. The ones along the path would be along the ground, and there were paths that would run through fields and around fields. So, you know, naturally, when they're scattering the seed, some would go on the path. Now, the path was hard packed. Why? Because people were walking on those paths. The second place were the rocky places, and we're going to get to the interpretation of all these at the end of the parable. But the rocky places, it wasn't just a bunch of rocks around. Basically, it was rock with a very shallow layer of soil. So you didn't necessarily see the rock or the stone, but you could see some dirt, but it was a very shallow layer of dirt. This says the sun would scorch the plants because they had no roots. There was nowhere for the roots to go. They would come up quickly, but they wouldn't last. Among the thorns, now the thorns would grow, and, and uh, it's sort of like weeds. 
weeds and thorns, kind of like in the same category. And, and we've got weeds we've got to deal with out here where they were, a lot of them were in the soil. We brought in trucks and trucks and trucks of topsoil. But a lot of that topsoil had seeds, weed seeds in it. And some of those are coming up and we've got to deal with them. We've got to kill them and, and, and so that the, the grass can grow. And then the last one was good soil that produced a crop. And, and again, we'll get to the interpretation. But in verse 9, he says those words, He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I'm not going to look around here today, but I think pretty much most people in this room have ears. Right? Go ahead, look around. You can do it. It's okay. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. So does that pretty much cover every one of us, right? We need to listen. We need to listen up. We need to pay attention. So he has a whole section now. He, has the, he, he gives us the parable. Then he has a whole section in the middle about listening, that we've got to pay attention, we've got to listen. And then at the end, he will explain the parable and, uh, and give us the interpretation of it. He says, we need to listen. It matters. I'm thinking about this idea of the different soils, and then I was thinking, well, you know, somebody could say, well, you know, have this fatalistic attitude. And I hear this phrase over and over today. It's like very popular. You've heard it before, I'm sure. It is what it is, right? You guys probably say that. Well, it is what it is. But that's kind of fatalistic in, in this sense is that it isn't always just what it is because things can change. And you and I can make changes. And you, you and I can listen up and we can learn and we can understand and we can grow. It doesn't just have to be that way. Well, I just, you know, I'm just a rocky soil kind of guy. And that's just the way it is. You see what I'm saying? No. Don't take that kind of attitude. It matters how we listen. It matters if we listen. Verse 10, he said, the disciples came to him, and they asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the, king, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Why, he says, they said to Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Why do you speak in these stories? You know, what's the deal with that? Why are you doing that? And what, what, what does it mean? Jesus said, you know, it, it, you need to listen, he said. But, but many people who didn't care, they would hear, and, and their hearts weren't tuned in. They would listen, but it would, it would be just a nice story. That's a nice story, okay, about the farm and all that. But he's saying that those who are really listening, they will understand. And they will receive more. But those who are not listening, who are not wanting to understand, he says they won't understand and it won't. In fact, what they do have will be taken from them. Someone said this to weed out the half-hearted and curiosity seekers from the true seekers to get people to think. To get people to think. He's quoting Isaiah in this uh, passage, and Isaiah talks about people who would see and they would hear, 
but they really don't see and they don't hear. You know, you can see, but not see. You can hear, but not hear, right? Either either thinking about something else, or you just don't even care. Your your wife or your husband is speaking to you, and you're going like this, uh huh, uh huh. And then they say, "What did I just say?" Uh huh, uh huh. Did you understand what I told you? Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. And then something radical, scary happens. We go like, "What happened? I haven't been. Where have I been all these years?" Really what it is, and, and it gets down to this, is a heart attitude. What makes the difference is those who listen, whose hearts are open. Look at verse 14. <clears throat> or excuse me, verse 13. He said, this is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled a prophecy, a prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Do you see in the midst of this passage that, that, there, that, that we have a choice in this? It isn't just the way I am, and, and that's just the way it is. He says those that, that if they would open their eyes, if they would open their ears, he says they, they could understand with their hearts and, and turn, and I would heal them. But he says people have closed their eyes. People have this attitude, not willing to receive the message. And, and what happens is we begin to get callous. That's what he says here. People's hearts have become calloused. You all know what a callus is, right? You, you get these calluses on your hands on, uh, from, from hard work in it, and the skin gets very, very hard. Some of you work outside. You know what I'm talking about, right? Your hands get so hard, and, and I shake your hand, and you go, wow, your hand feels like silk, and my, you're not working, are you? And mine feels like, like hard like leather. Because of the callus, see, it's layer after layer of this hard, hard skin. And he's saying this is what, what our hearts can become like. we got layer after layer of hardness. And the hardness of our hearts keeps us from hearing what God has to say to us. But the, but the thing that I see in this passage is that if we would turn, if we would cry out to him, and open our hearts to Him. The question I think each one of us has to ask ourselves, what, what is my heart attitude like? And as we look at the four different uh, uh, soils, where do I fit in? How do I fit in? What's my heart like in all of this? Look at verse 16. He says, But blessed are your eyes, because they see in your ears, because they hear. I hope that's true of every one of us in here. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but not, did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So many in the Old Testament, what he's talking about there, they longed to be living when the Messiah came, when the Messiah arrived. But, but for us, we are alive after Jesus has come. 
for us to have what we have, to know what we know, the scriptures, the risen Lord, the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. We have an advantage over those in the Old Testament. So moving on now into verse 18, Jesus gives the interpretation. After, again, this whole section about listening and about our hearts being open, about opening our ears and opening our eyes and listening to what he has to say. If you want the truth, God will open your heart and mind and eyes to have the truth. If you don't, if you don't care, he's not going to force it on you. Verse 18, he says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart, this is the seed sown along the path. This is the seed sown along the path. Let's talk about the seed for a minute, though. Again, that's not the primary focus of the parable. It's mostly on the, the different soils, the different uh, uh, hearts. But the seed is important. He says, he says it is what? The message about the kingdom. This is the seed, the message about Jesus and his kingdom. And, and again, the, the gospel of Matthew is the, the gospel of the king. Jesus is the king. And so looking at these different things and, and what our heart's like, this is what he's saying. What is our heart's response to Jesus being the king? I've said this so many times, and I, I've seen it raising children. You know, our first, first, some of our first words, uh, well, probably the first word we say as we grow up is what? No. And then we get a little bit more mature, about two and a half, I think, and we say, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> right? It doesn't take long, and we get that. So there's this thing in us that's called the sin nature where we do not want anyone telling us what to do. Right? The message of the kingdom is that Jesus is king, that he is Lord and master and savior, and that we need to submit to him. The hard heart, the path where everyone's trampled over it, is the, is the shut mind where we say things like, my mind is made up, and, I, and don't confuse me with the facts. That's it. It's a closed book. I'm done. I don't... You know, I know what I'm doing. I can take care of myself. Why do we act like that? Well, pride, of course, is one of the reasons. Our choice, we choose. Our lifestyle, sin. But it gets down to this. It's opposition to the king. The message of the kingdom. We're, we're opposing the king. We don't want the king. The devil loves it. He comes along and says, ooh, great, just takes the seed away. So the question is, can we do anything about it? Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you feel that way. You know what? I really don't care. I, you know, I, my heart is hard. And, I, you know, and maybe you kind of understand that, but the question is, can you do anything about it? And my, my, uh, my opinion is that, yes, you can do something about it. You can beg for mercy. You can cry out to God to soften your heart. And we need to do that, and He will do that. In the book of Hosea, it says this, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up the unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. Break up the unplowed ground. Is it going to take some work? Yes. Is it going to take some effort? But... But yes, it is. But are the results wor worth it? Yes. But the harder the ground, 
the sharper the pick needs to be. The harder the ground, the, hard, the more effort you have to put into it. Break up the unplowed ground, he says. The hard heart. The second one, he says, there is the rocky place. Verse 20 says, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, he quickly falls away. The rocky places, the shallow heart. Again, there was a layer of rock underneath, but a a small, thin layer of soil on top where the seed would go. And the seed would germinate very quickly, But since there was no depth, no place for roots, no way to find any water, this is kind of a superficial Christianity. Kind of a, a, you know, Cliff's Notes Christianity, where we just want the, the simple version. We're always looking for the shortcuts. Maybe it's just the emotion of the moment. But the truth is, we can't live very long on emotion, right? Emotion is good. God gave us emotion. I believe God has emotion. But it's got to go deeper than emotion. We've got to, we've got to have soil that, that those roots go down and, and we build our lives and we, we have strong root system. It's not going to go just, you know, uh, reading a verse once a month. It's, going to, it's, it's got to be where we're, we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We're following Him. We're listening to His Word. One fellow said this, that the shallow earth yields a shallow profession. And when tested, he decides it isn't worth it. When the tests come, when things that get difficult in this life, what do we do? He says here, we just fall away. We, we quickly fall away because we, we have, we've got nothing that's holding us, anchoring, anchoring us to Jesus Christ. The rocky places. The shallow heart. The third one. Among thorns, verse 22, says the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life or the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Someone called this the strangled heart among the thorns, choked by the worries of this life. The deceitfulness of wealth choking the word. Not allowing any fruit, making us unfruitful. The worries of this life, we, you know, we, we need to survive, we need to go on, but, but how important are those things? And the strangled heart has no time for spiritual things. We've got plenty of time to go out and do all the, all the things of this world, but do we have any time to spend with Jesus Christ? We sing that song, Just to Be With You. Is that a cry of our hearts? Or are we, or, or, or we just worried about making our bank account bigger and our, and our retirement plan bigger? Worried about all the things, the deceitfulness of things, the deceitfulness of wealth. What happens to that money? You know, uh, I was talking with someone about it yesterday, that, that money that you thought you had, it kind of just grows wings, doesn't it? It tells you, you know what? You take care of me and I'm going to take care of you. But it's a lie. It's a lie because it, it's, it starts growing those wings. And then it's gone. And then who, who knows what happened to it? 
Money's not going to take care of you. It's a lie. Uh, Paul talks about in 1 Timothy those that, that, that went after wealth and money and says they wandered away from the faith because of the deceitfulness of riches and money. Do we need those things? Yes, we do. We need to work. We need to pay the bills. We need to do what we need to do. But our trust has got to be in Jesus Christ and the King, where we look to Him as the King. The message of the kingdom. And finally, the the fourth picture He gives us is of good soil, the good heart, the heart open to God in verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. And he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Someone who listens. Someone who takes the time to think it through. You know, you, it, it isn't just osmosis where you, you, know, you take your Bible and you put it under your pillow at night. And, you know, well, I'm, just, I'm sleeping, I'm living on the Word, you know. I'm sleeping on the Word. And, no, you've got to open it. You've got to open your heart. Maybe, maybe listen to it on tape. Maybe somehow get it into you. But you've, it takes time to think. We turn on the television set and we stop thinking immediately, right? Oh, we, we think we're thinking. Oh, yeah. No, they're doing all the thinking for you. I have a television set. Don't misunderstand me. I turn it on sometimes. But how much time do we take to stop and read, to listen, to think, to understand? Luke's account of this parable says this, that... that we would hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Hear the word, retain it, hold on to it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Persevering. But when you look at the, uh, the return on investment in this passage, what, look at that there. Can you see that? Now, they say that uh, seed, the return for seed is only about eight times. That'd be a good return. Eight times the seed, right? But he says here that, that if we do these and we have good soil, that you can yield 100 or 60 or 30 times what was sown. That's a pretty good return, isn't it? You will not get that in the stock market, I hate to tell you. You will not get that in a bank account. What is it, about 1% now? 100 times is 10,000%. 60 is 6,000%. 30 is 3,000%. This is a promise of God that if we will listen and and be a heart where He can pour into our lives that that good things will come out, there will be a return that will be completely out of this world, beyond this world. So the question is, which one are we? Are we the hard heart? The seed on the path or the shallow heart where just a little bit of soil, not much going on there. The strangled heart by all the stuff in the world and around us. Are we the open, open heart? Do we have a choice which one we are? Yes, we do. Each one of you has a choice. I have a choice. The seed needs to be sown and we're going to we're going to be sowing seed and we should be sowing seed and you know just coming out of our lives 
We see in this passage, though not all will respond, but the difference isn't in the seed. The difference is in the soil, the state of the heart. What are our hearts like? What are the hearts of the people around us? People don't all respond, do they? You know, people around you don't all respond in a positive way. Why? Because of their hearts, the the state of their hearts. We need to keep praying for those around us, though. But the heart we have something to do with is our own. And God knows our hearts. Let's pray together. And I want to give you an opportunity while we pray to take a few moments for you personally between you and God and the quietness of your own heart to simply say, God, you know where I am. You know my heart. You know what it's like. And I cry out to you right here, right now. Maybe my heart is hard. Maybe, maybe I'm shallow. Maybe I'm consumed by the world and the things around me. But, but I want to be that good soil. Or maybe you do not know Jesus Christ at all. I want to give you an opportunity right here this morning to simply say yes to Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not the next day, not the next week. Let's pray.